All right, so Kylie McDaniel from ESPN is going to join us in the next couple minutes. And let's just quickly get to a signing. It's pretty unique. The San Diego Padres looking to add some bullpen help. They sign up Wandy Peralta, coming off a good season. Four years, $16.5 million, so about $4 million a year. All right, want to do this, AJ? How many opt-outs? Do, do the Miami two, style. Not one. one. Not, not two. two. But three opt-outs. So basically, he can opt-out every year. Yeah. He basically signed one-year deals each year, but he can opt into them to keep getting paid. It's brilliant. He made 63 appearances last year, 283 ERA. Actually gets lefties and righties out because he's got the changeup that works against the righties too. But, I mean, what? A lot of ground balls. A lot of ground balls. balls. A lot of quick pitches. ton of ground balls too. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's your one signing there for the Padres trying to kind of pick some pieces up as they obviously got rid of Soto this offseason. They've lost a ton of pitching. They picked up some pitching in that Yankees deal, but here's another one in Wandy Peralta, former Yankee. Um, we'll get to some other news later on. Let's swing it right over to our next guest on FT Live. Kylie McDaniel from ESPN joining us on a very momentous day, too, for Kylie because – uh, it is his top 100 prospects day. Kylie, great to have you on here for the first time. Big fan of your work. So do you want to announce to the world what you just unleashed for everyone today? <laughs> it's a big day because I'm finally done with it after it becoming my entire life for about two weeks and my wife wondering when I was going to come to uh, family TV time. And I kept going back into my hole to write more words. Uh, but yeah, headlined by uh, Jackson Holiday. My top 100 is out and I've tried to keep it fresh every year. So this year I've got, uh, I got tool grades for all the guys uh, in the top 20 including a type, which is sort of like a TLDR, if you don't want to read the whole scouting report, and then also reminds me of, which is like a version of a comp, if there's there's one available. And I uh, I compared White Langford to a T-Rex in cleats, so I try to keep those fun too. <laughs> so so it's, it's not just player comps. It could be dinosaur comps. Yeah. Yeah, I, I won't say who, but I compared one player to a spicy bowl of gumbo that sometimes can go a little too far, but like you think it'll be good. I like AJ, it. this actually sounds like your kind of cops. I like it. I like it. But he went Jackson Holiday 1, right? Jackson Churio 2, is that correct? Yep, and then one more Jackson in the top 20, which uh, seems like a trend people are getting a little worried about. Too many Jacksons? If we get two more, we'll have the Jackson 5. <laughs> i let you get there. Yeah. Actually, uh, on the showcase circuit, there was a guy who spelled his name J-A-X-X-O-N, and then another one that was J-A-X-S-O-N. And so I'm, I'm really worried about the alternate spellings more than just Jackson itself. <laughs> I like it. All right, give us – we'll move on to the Major League Free Agents in a sec. Give us one other thing that we should look forward to when we check out the article on the top 100, something you really had fun with or one other player that you want to point out that, that we should look into more that maybe isn't getting as much attention. Because obviously, as you know, I'm sure you see the other publications that have been out there for years too, and you want to kind of differentiate. But also, you know, I'm sure you look at some of those lists and you're like, eh, I don't see it. Or vice versa, where you're like, I think they're vastly underrating this dude. Yeah, I think I'm a, a little bit on an island. I know before the draft when I had White Langford ahead of Dylan Cruz at uh, one, uh, I couldn't find a, uh, like a team front office draft board to agree with me, but a lot of individual scouts agreed with me. 
Uh, I noticed when the other publications did that, I still have him there. Uh, I also noticed a couple things. I'll, you know, save the reveal for the article itself, but I end up with a lot of 2023 draftees on the end of my list. I think there might be like in double digits, which has never happened before. So it's historic draft class. A lot of guys snuck on there. And then also uh, Ethan Salas was, I believe, a 16 year old that was in high A uh, last year. So I went into a lot of depth about him and some comps and how that could go. Uh, and what that might look like. Uh, and then lastly, there was a player that signed two weeks ago, a 16 year old that made it this year uh, onto the list. And I think Jason Dominguez is the only other player in my time that has gone straight from signing and making the top 100 uh, before they play a professional game. Why can I, can I ask why Langford over Dylan Cruz when Dylan Cruz was drafted higher than white Langford? And listen, I'm a Gator fan, so I'm all for white Langford. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where these everybody has these guys very close, uh, you know, back to back in some form and in the same tier and all that sort of thing. So then it comes down to uh, not who's the best right now, because that, that's kind of easy. Anybody can can say like, well, this guy, you know, hit a little better against SEC. It's just like, well, we're trying to guess what he's going to do when he's 26 in the big league. So like what he did in the SEC, if it was 2% better than this guy, 2% worse, is kind of irrelevant. So I'm looking for who seems to still be scratching the surface in some ways, who seems to have made adjustments, who seems to be beating expectations who still has tools that could, you know, go a little further. Dylan Cruz, I've been watching him since he was 14, 15 years old and is still kind of at that tier, that same kind of player, similar kind of tools. Wyatt Linkford, I didn't know his name until halfway through his sophomore year. And then he was in AAA the next year. So, and he's also a tick faster, has a tick more power and still might be able to play center field like Dylan Cruz. So I just think there's a little more there and all the intangibles and the makeup and the stuff you need to see to feel like he could hit that upside. Uh, I think that's all in place. So I had him first then. I was surprised he got to fourth. There was some maneuvering with money and, you know, splitting hairs. I mean, there were teams that had Bryce Harper third on their draft board behind Tyon and Machado out of high school. Like these things are pretty fluid at the top when you have a clear top tier because everybody kind of zeroes in on the thing they like. And that's not always the thing that the consensus best guy or the best guy in the draft necessarily has on draft day. So, Kylie, I'm going to take us to the free agent market. Okay, and actually, let's let's get a shot of Brock and AJ and their reaction to what I'm about to bring up and Kylie, you can help me out here. Cause I don't know if these guys know yet. So I, I'm going to do some bragging for you. Okay. Because okay. you put out contract projections, your <laughs> estimate, and obviously you're not going to get every, you know, player on the dot. There's 150 ish free agents or whatever the number is that you put together. But do you want to give us a, a little synopsis of some of the players that you completely accurately put to the year and the dollar? Like I'm seeing Jordan Hicks as one, Reese Hoskins is another that the exact years and money was given by the world or given to the world by Kylie McDaniel. Uh, what about a month or two before it happened? Yeah. Now I'm pulling up my spreadsheet to see what the, uh, what the exact ones were, <laughs> but yeah, there were uh, Harrison Bader. I got exactly, I think nice. there's like five or six that I got exactly all like 10 million plus. And I usually don't get more than like one or two. So uh, I, I actually got a text from Jeff Passan because he mentioned it in, in one of his articles last week before I noticed it. And he was like, you did really good. And I'm like, I don't want to make it seem like I knew these were going to happen. But I've also been doing this for like five years. So maybe I'm getting better at it. Uh, there, <laughs> there is a bit of like a math that goes into it. But the, I have the most trouble with the guys that are 7,500 million and up because sometimes like, you know, a market just collapses. You don't see it coming. And what you thought was going to be five for 150 turns out to be, you know, a convoluted three for 90 with two opt outs and, you know, all that nonsense. Like just guessing like the structure is hard enough, much less the money. But when you get down into that one, two, three years, 
you look at the comps from the last two years, there are three guys like this guy, like it gets a little bit easier. And then, you know, rather than missing by one year, 1 million, uh, I happen to get him this year. So I don't want to toot my own horn that much because that means I'm going to be terrible next year. <laughs> well, Kylie, I heard, I heard that um, <clears throat> agents and front offices are starting to look at, at your predictions and, and that's where they're coming up with these, these numbers, you know, cause they're, you're, you're so spot on. I, I want to know, did you guess 700 million for Shohei Otani? <laughs> I did not. Although I did guess, I think it was, uh, yeah, I guess 520. And I think the, uh, the like NPV projection uh, was like high 400. So I was like so closer than I thought I was going to be when I saw 700. And I was like, oh no, I, I missed by almost 200 million. That's pretty bad. <laughs> and then you see the translation and you're like, okay, I was like, you know, I was in the area. Uh, and there were a couple like Yamamoto that after I put out 212. And then as he was getting close to signing, I'm like, I think it's going to be more like 250, 270. And then he gets 325. And I was like, okay, I was... I was, you know, my last guess before that one happened was closer. But the, yeah, the high ones are so difficult because, you know, like when Bogarts gets 10 years last year, it's like I wasn't projecting he'd get 10. So if you miss three years, you're automatically off by like 50 million. And it like kind of looks ridiculous. Um, well, I don't, I don't I, think anybody expected Bogarts to get as many years as he got. I think that's why he ended up in San Diego because they were like, oh, shit. Yeah, I guess we I guess we got to take this deal, right? <clears throat> Yeah, no, the, 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 uh, it only takes one bidder to land a player, uh, is always difficult when, uh, you know, like there's some players like Aaron Nola that you kind of hear after the, after the fact, like these were the other offers and you're like, oh, there were like three teams and at the same number. And then this team went one extra year and got them. And it's very clear that it's like an efficient market where one team tops the other ones. And I've had some agents in the past couple of years tell me like in confidence that like, oh, this team, uh, offered this, it was like 15 million more than anyone else offered. Don't tell anyone else. That. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that, it's not always a super efficient market like every, every now and then somebody just like wildly overpays and they're the only ones in the market and they don't know um which which i guess naturally leads us into scott boris's four guys that are still in the market and i'm not exactly sure how that's going to play out or what the sort of leverage is but i mean we've seen like with bellinger and with montgomery that some of these guys you're like oh they got three spots and then the two other of the three spots like sign a player that takes that guy's spot and spends the money that could have gone to him and you're like he's kind of got like one spot left like how's scott gonna play this one <laughs> Do you, you, have you seen Eric Kratz on our show, Kylie? Do you know Eric Kratz? Oh uh, yeah, I've seen some of the clips. Yeah, he he also does the free agent contest. So next time we have you on and we have him on, I want you guys to to take your spreadsheets and put them up against each other. Now listen, you I'm assuming you get paid a lot more than Kratz does to do his. So I like I called him a super nerd because he literally went through every player and he he'd say, well, you know, I had Reese Hoskins getting. Two years, thirty-seven point nine, and this is because of my projection. So I understand, but I want to put your spreadsheet up against Kratz's and see who did better. Uh, Hoskins actually two for thirty-four is one of the ones I got. But AJ, I have to take a step back here. Was it my face that told you I was doing all this in a spreadsheet? How did you know that? Well, because you said it. You said I had to check my spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, sorry, I gave it away. Yeah, yeah, I don't <laughs> no, even know it's... how to do a spreadsheet. How do you even do a spreadsheet? Uh, it's just like a bunch of squares in a grid, and then you get kind of more complicated as you go. I, I actually am uh, a little bit renowned in ESPN that when somebody sends me a sheet of like something we're working on, it just has like seven. I'll go in there and reformat it, and you know, do the freeze the cells and all all the annoying stuff. But it's I can't read it if it's not formatted correctly. So I guess I'm going to out <laughs> myself as a as a Google Sheets formatting nerd. All right. <laughs> hey, Kylie, question for you: the most relevant news of the day. Do you see how Baltimore is going to um, be fortunate enough to have an owner that's going to invest in the team? And how do you think that is going to change not just what we see from the Orioles, but especially what we see from them in the free agent market? Because this offseason is a time that a normal team in their winning window would have kind of popped off. And of course, they've done nothing besides 
get Craig Kimbrell to fill somewhat the Felix Bautista role, and that's it. Yeah, I, I'm under the impression that uh, Angelos will still have controlling interest until uh, he passes away, and then the guys that are that are getting a minority stake will then take over full time. Uh, so I would imagine there won't be like an immediate like you know the rest of this winter or next winter they'll go nuts. But I imagine you know at some point having an you know independently wealthy uh, private equity guys owning the team, having Michael Elias in place, who was probably the GM that like if any random private equity guy buys a team and can pick any GM, that's probably the one they pick, either him or Andrew Friedman. So I would imagine they're copacetic uh, enough on the approach that you would imagine they would do what Oakland is saying they're going to do. I'm not sure anyone really believes them. They're like, oh, we are at least a league average level market. We should have a league average payroll. We'll do it in our own way and maybe in our own time, but we'll get to the point where we are competitive in terms of money. And I know from when I actually, AJ was in Atlanta year last year was my first year there. Uh, There's a lot of discussions we had with that really good farm system where it was like one of the like hidden benefits of having a really good double A AA and triple A set of prospects is when they come up, you know, hopefully they're good and all these sorts of things. But if like seven or eight of them are all really good at the same time, that means you can spend like 25 million on like three guys because you're not spending any money on the guys you have, which is exactly the spot Baltimore's in right now. Like you could say reasonably if it wasn't, you know, the wrong position, like Trey Turner last Winter would have been a perfect guy because it's like, well, he can come in and play shortstop or second or center. And we just think he's going to be a good player. And we need like one more hitter and like spending 30 million on one guy when almost the whole team is at the league minimum or early in arbitration is like actually not irresponsible, even though 300 million for a team that wasn't in first place seemed crazy. Like now in retrospect, that would have been like a really good move. And he really could fit the team if he was sort of on board with, I want to be on the East Coast. I don't mind if I play any one of these three positions, like, you know, that kind of thing. Like it actually would have fit, even though that sounds kind of silly. And I, I remember a conversation I got into with the GM where uh, he was talking uh, to me off the record about like a free agent signing he made. Uh, and he was like, yeah, we didn't have the money to do this. And I was like, no, you did. And he was like, no, we didn't. And I was like, no, no, no. Like you could have given that guy 25 million. Maybe you were told you can't spend that much, but you could trade a guy and you could get that guy. Like you can afford almost anyone. Tampa Bay can afford to pay $30 million a year for somebody. Like, you can kind of make it happen if you want to. You just decided you can't afford him because all of the sort of assumptions leading up to that you had decided were sort of set. And uh, I think with Baltimore, I think a lot of times we just skip to past all the assumptions that they've clearly already made instead of like, no, they should be, you know, spending a lot of money and getting a lot better. And it seems very obvious now uh, that this is like the time to be doing that. And hopefully that'll be what happens soon. Yeah, Kylie, um, I got I got some more questions about the free agent market. You know, I think I think you said we started out with about 150 free agents. I think now we're probably down to, I think, 130 left because no one's signing anywhere, it seems like. Um, Yep. Who's your favorite guy still still out there? Um, who's your favorite guy still out there? And where do you think or where would you like to see him go? And what, you know, I'm, I'm curious because to me, I'm like, what, what's taking so long? How is a, a two-time Cy Young winner and Blake Snell still out there on the market? And Jordan Montgomery and a Cody Bellinger. Like, who's your guy? And um, and where do you see, see him in, ending up? Uh, from the bigger money guys, I would say Montgomery, uh, just because he seems like a lock to be good for the next couple of years where he can start playoff games for you as a you know top three starter, uh, that kind of thing. And then like you're not positive because this guy doesn't has huge stuff. Maybe it won't age that well on the back end, but a playoff team. I know there were some rumors that like Philly was on him early and then they ended up signing Nola. I think Texas is where he lands. He was one of the guys I was referring to where the Yankees were kind of looking at him and then they ended up adding Stroman and San Francisco was kind of looking at him and then. Uh, they, they've brought in some pitching. And so I kind of assume Texas is the spot he's going to land. I think these owners and GMs are getting kind of hip to what Boris is doing. And they realize if he only has one spot, he can't hold you hostage. So he's the guy that I would feel good about because 
for, for the for the big money contending teams, he's exactly what they need for the next couple of years. And then they'll figure out the other parts later. And he'll probably be fine on the back end of that deal. Uh, and then for the lower money guys, I think Michael Lorenzen is really interesting. I'm not, I wouldn't have the team in front of me that like makes a ton of sense. Like uh, even going back to a team like Detroit, where they just need some reliable innings because he's such a later bloomer that, you know, barely even started in college, was a two-way guy, can really hit, great athlete. Uh, I think there's a little more in there. And for usually when you sign that kind of guy, whether it's Kenta Maeda or Seth Lugo, you're kind of paying like above retail to just get, you know, you're hoping 150 innings. You might only get 110. And with Lorenzen, like we still don't really know what he is, even though given how long he's been in the big leagues, you think this guy's like a finished product, but like there could be 150 innings and 10 wins and a 350 ERA. And this guy's a real starter. Like that's still on the board with him and the way for most guys, his age, it's almost like, can he keep it together for a year or two? Whereas Lorenzen, you're still kind of going in that direction. And I would imagine the terms aren't going to be much more than a year or two or, you know, 10 or 12 a year. Like, I think it's a pretty reasonable number. Wait, I was, I want, we were together in Atlanta. Yeah, I wasn't down on the clubhouse that year because it was my first season. I was mostly going to the, uh, you know, the draft international and the minor league affiliates. So you probably didn't see me around. Hmm. Okay, good. Because we just had Rowdy on. He said I didn't know my teammates. So I was like, man, I really don't know my teammates. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the big league clubhouse more now when I go get quotes for a story than I was when I actually worked there. <laughs> Got it. Okay. All right. That made, thank, whew, thank you for making me feel better because I was going to say. So wait, were you a part of the, the whole team that signed all those illegal players and did all that? Was that you, Kylie? Or was Oh, wait, you, I, were, I you weren't high enough in the office when that happened, but uh, as assistant director of uh, assisting people, I uh, yeah wasn't wasn't included in making the decisions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, with the Braves, though, what, what do you think of where the Braves are at right now? I mean, obviously Anthopoulos just got himself signed to a monster long ass deal. Um, where do you think they're at from a franchise perspective? Obviously, you know the Dodgers have dominated the offseason conversation, but there are quite a few people that think the Braves still have a better ball club um, from top to bottom. But what have you observed, obviously being a part of the team back in the past and seeing the way that they've kind of got this consistent winning product going right now? Yeah, there's, uh, I've noticed a lot of, especially, you know, like Mets or Phillies fans that, you know, talk about the competition with the Braves, especially during the regular season is, oh, they got like this whole team where the you know guys that are 23 to 25 uh, signed forever. Like, how do we compete with this? And the Phillies fans said that a little bit less after they beat them twice in the playoffs. Uh, but there's also like a, you know, like a hidden downside to that, that if something bad happens or a guy just isn't the guy he's been in the past, um, all of a sudden they're locked into all these contracts. And if you go look at like their roster resource page, like they're like right on or just over the first uh, cut of the CBT. And it's not clear that they're going to be one of those teams that goes to 250, 260, 270. And every year their payroll goes up because all these guys are getting raises three or four million a year. And there's like. 15 of them that have like guaranteed money of some sort or they're in arbitration or going up every year. So it's like all of a sudden this thing becomes not super sustainable. And if all these guys are all-stars and borderline all-stars, um, you know, then it can work. And if a couple of these guys aren't, all of a sudden it becomes a little risky because I don't think the money is going to be there. And now you have, you know, Dansby Swanson and Freddie Freeman just left. Uh, Max Fried is up next year. You know, Chris Sale is, uh, you know, on the older side. He's probably not going to be that guy four years from now. Like now they kind of need the farm system to get this second tier of guys coming out. And I'm not sure those guys are there. It's a lot of guys in low A, high school guys, guys coming off of surgery, guys that were lower picks that have had one good season. And you kind of hope they can turn into that guy. Um, but they're not quite there yet. And you have Ian Anderson coming off of Tommy John. So, I mean, they're in a great spot. Obviously, they have all the pieces to make that move and win those series and get to the World Series again. Um, but there is a little bit of a, of a risk that if things don't keep going to plan the way they have been, that seems like perfectly planned out that everyone's in place. Uh, there's like a there's a downside people aren't talking about if things don't go exactly to plan. Kylie, I'm still kind of not over 
what's going on in Baltimore right now, how everything's going to change. So it's kind of been screwing up my day in a positive way. I'm very excited about the sale process that's going on right now. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you think's going to happen? What do you think the timeline is for them? You know, spending 150 million on a payroll. I I actually need some more context on this because the way that we were talking about it earlier, I thought that the new ownership group is getting 40% right off the jump so that they're actually majority owners right away. You know, as soon as this gets approved, which could be next week at the owners meetings that are down in Orlando. So I'm actually looking at it as these guys taking over right from the jump and then they get the full 70% that they're buying from the Angelos family eventually, unfortunately, after uh, Peter Angelos passes away for tax purposes. So I actually think they're going to take over pretty quickly. I don't know if it's going to be this off season that they can just jump in and say, hey, uh, Blake Snell. But many other fans are hoping that's the case. I do think that it's going to happen from what I'm reading like in the next few months that they take over. So if that's the case, that's a completely different looking ball club. I mean, even if you're looking at the trade deadline at the least or the next off season, this is a team that's in their winning window now. And you know, as we all know, winning windows often happen earlier than expected and they leave earlier than expected. And yeah. they're in the AL East. So as good as they look right now, things change quickly. I can see them coming in, wanting to make a statement really quickly and throwing some pretty nice looking contract extension offers at, of course, Adley and Gunner, but maybe others too, Grayson Rodriguez and some of the other young position players, whichever ones they like the best. And then adding some substance to that because, dude, they're their payroll is $70 million right now. Yeah. I mean, if they even it, – it's always the bottom few. Even if they get to a point where they're like 18 to 20 in the bigs, that puts them what? At like 130? I mean, we were talking earlier. that They could have this offseason, if they were spending like that, gotten Snell and Hader easily and then still done yeah. more and get, not gotten to that point. And still, yeah, still be in the bottom half. I know when Texas spent all that money on Simeon and Seager and John Gray all at once, everyone's like, oh, what are they going to spend, 250 It's like, no, they were still like an average payroll at that point. They had like a lot of room. Yeah. You can get like three all-stars and not like jump up tiers that much. Just jump up like within your tier. And they're still at like the bottom of the bottom tier. You can just get to like the respectable area and add a couple all-stars, which like seems kind of silly that they were, they were that far down. But I think that's also like part of the approach with what Elias did and what was done in Houston and, and just the general approach is like, you got to look at the value value of like dollar per war and like if we don't think that the you know the guy we're signing in free agency is going to re return a value or he's just going to give it to you in year one so we got to give him three bad years at the end of his deal they're not looking to do that so i i that's why i uh, was saying earlier like i wonder what their approach will be when they're given money because i don't think he's one of those guys that you just give him like an extra 70 mil in this year's budget and he just goes and signs three all-stars to like eight-year deals like i think he'd do it differently and even with like andrew friedman in la like you think of him now as the guy giving out the big deals but like he let grinky go he let turner go like he let, he let most of machado he let most of those guys go and then with Freeman and Betts and you know Yamamoto and Otani started handing out those deals but for a long time he didn't do it and we saw in San Francisco with uh with Farhan Zaidi that they also didn't hand out those big deals even though they tried to a couple times and tried to do those one and two year deals and patch together and then th this year they did it with Lee like I think that's kind of the prevailing theory is you don't go zero to 100 immediately um in part because you don't have experience in that area and you want to like wait for the right spot to do it and i kind of assume that's the way they would do it but even just doing that piecemeal let's spend you know three for 30 here and two for 20 here and whatever like that would be more than they're spending right now yeah i mean they've never given out a multi-year contract during this michael Elias tenure and it's not because of mike it's because of ownership so yeah that's why i'm super pumped for baltimore whenever that happens yeah i could i agree with you i think they'll probably ease into it and i think they'll probably favor their own young talent on the extension side of things 
more so than going nuts in free agency. But I mean, the bar is so freaking low right now in terms of what they could do. So it's pretty exciting. It's big times in Baltimore. That was huge news. Kylie, great catching up with you, man. Congratulations on the uh, top 100 being past you. So you can have some more fam time. Tell the dogs we said what up. And thanks for joining us. Yep, and uh, stay tuned. We'll have the farm rankings on Friday, the team list coming up, and then I'll get into draft season and a lot of high school and college stuff. So uh, the work never ends, but it gets a little bit easier after this point. This was the hard part. Exactly. You made it, dude. Well, and everyone check out Kylie's work uh, on ESPN+. Plus. You can check out the Top 100, and also we'll post his Twitter on, on our Twitter so you can check out some of his work there too and follow him. Thanks, Kylie. Good talking to you, man. Yep, thanks for having me. Great Appreciate seeing you, you again, Kylie. Thanks, Kylie. Ex-teammate. That was good. That was good. That was me, by the way. I, uh, I I killed my my ring light that was behind me by accident. I got too excited. Elbowed it in the face. Yeah, I got violent when I'm by myself. I thought the, I thought the dogs were getting you. Yeah. Mm-mm. AJ Minter's going to join us soon, by the way. Uh, looking forward to a little chat with him about Braves Fest and what's been going down, obviously, in Atlanta. A lot of actually friends for him, new friends for him in that bullpen for the Bravos. Um, while we have a moment, though, let's hit some BetMGM odds and focus on the team that actually did something today. The San Diego Padres are our next focus for World Series odds. Now, heading into the season, they were at a whopping plus 900. And then, of course, you get to July. We're marking the midway point. They were fourth place in the NL West. Fourth place. Eight and a half games back of the Dodgers, six games back in the wild card. They were at 43 and 47. They didn't end up even making the postseason. They made that run towards the end, but like, let's be real, that was too little, too late. And then right now they're at plus 4,000, AJ. So they're at the same spot that they were in July. Basically, you're being told no chance. Well, I think this has more to do with the division they're in than it does with their team. I mean, I know they lost some guys, but. The team is still – they got rid of Soto, clearly, but they still got Machado. They still got a lot of good players in, in this organization on this team. And Musgrove comes back healthy. Darvish pitches all right. And they're, they're making some moves in the bullpen especially. So, I, I mean, I think plus 4,000 seems a little bit high. I would expect it to be more like plus 2,000. But I think this has more to do with the division they're in and their lack of success the last few years. Yeah, Rock thoughts I, on the uh, Padres? Yeah, I think I think like AJ said, I think it's more to do with the division they're in, with you know, with the Dodgers and where they're at. Like, I mean, if they don't win the division, something something crazy happens, right? And then you've yep. got the Arizona Diamondbacks who were just played in the World Series and they've made some good additions as well. So um, I think that's more of you know, they've they, like like AJ said, they lost Soto, they lost Snell. You know, unless Snell goes back, but I mean, I don't see that happening. But they've lost some some pieces, some big pieces to their team. They've done done some little things, but you know, I think it just has more to do with who they're going against in the division as opposed to who they are as a team. Yeah, fair. All right, well, check out the uh, BetMGM sportsbook odds. Obviously, you can check them out in the app, and if you're new to the app, you can uh, place a wager of at least five dollars and receive one hundred fifty eight dollars instantly in additional winnings, regardless of your wager's outcome, download the app, sign up and deposit at least five bucks into your newly created account, place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. And then once you place that bet, you're gonna receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Gambling problem or concern, call 1-800-GAMBLER.